Hi friends, Erica here, and I wanted to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by my friends over at YM Dental Lab. They are offering two free zirconia crowns for all new customers. Check them out at ymdentallaboratory.com for more information. Now, on with the show. Swing by JCPenney. The Black Friday and July deals are hot, hot, hot. Like $21.99 Arizona jeans and Home Expressions quick dry bath towels only $4.99. Get them while they last or check the JCP app for an extra 30% off coupon to use across the store. Buy online and pick up curbside to make life even easier. Shopping is back. JCPenney offers good on select styles through 724. Black Friday and July deals excluded from coupon. Conditions and exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Dental Billing Podcast. I'm your billing coach, Erica Aguilar. In today's episode, we're going to talk about things like coordination of benefits, missing tooth claws, and for those of you that have had any misunderstanding around pre-authorization or pre-certification, pre-determination, we're going to crack all of that wide open today. Stay tuned and let's roll. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out, it's a birthday shout out to my friend Valerie over at DB Experts, that's Dental Billing Experts. Valerie celebrated her 27th birthday. Happy birthday, Valerie. I am so proud of everything you're doing in dentistry, your contribution to dentistry, all of what you are doing to help your clients. Thank you so much and I hope that you have had a wonderful birthday weekend. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into our episode here. So what I wanna start with today is something that a lot of billers I find get a little confused about, actually a lot confused about, and that's going to be the coordination of benefits provision. There's a few things that we need to understand about the coordination of benefits. First of all, if you really research the coordination of benefits. It's actually coordination of benefits regulations. And then underneath the coordination of benefits regulations, there are tons of provisions, 50 pages full of provisions, my friends. So there's a lot to understand. You want to understand that this is for both medical and dental. Some of the provisions in there are going to apply to medical insurance and then others are going to be specific to dental. However, I know this regulation and all of its provisions, like the back of my hand, I have it printed. It's in my binder that I keep next to my desk and I update it annually. Not much has changed since about 2013 so luckily not a lot of changes but if you really want to understand how the coordination of benefits provisions apply to establishing primary and secondary and so much more it even talks about ppo versus hmo if you listen to my previous episode i did spend a little time talking about that but as of today as for today we're going to spend a little more time on some of the things that i find my billers my clients get confused about the coordination of benefits so first of all coordination of benefits 
only applies to two insurance plans who are going to participate in payment of a claim. It doesn't apply to a plan that is not going to participate in the payment for that claim. And the primary plan is always going to determine the paid benefits. Now, the other thing that I wanted to say before it slipped my mind was that the coordination of benefits regulations were established to create uniformity and help insurance companies understand how to process insurance claims when a patient has more than one plan. So this was really established for insurance companies to have a blueprint or a format to pay claims when there's more than one plan paying, uh, participating in payment. So here are a couple kickers to establishing primary versus secondary with coordination of benefits. So if you are out of network with what would be traditionally be the primary plan and you were in network with the secondary plan, then you need to submit the secondary plan as primary. So here's the rule of thumb here. In network, negotiate or negotiated rates will always trump out of network. So if you have a patient who has two plans and you are in network with only one of those plans, that plan needs to be uh, treated as primary, regardless of traditional positioning. So regardless of if that plan should have been secondary because of the birthday rule or because it's whatever reason. I don't want to I don't want to confuse everyone because this is not a live workshop and typically right about now I start to get a lot of hands and questions thrown around. So I'm going to try and anticipate your questions here because I've done enough workshops to know what you might be thinking right now. Before I answer any of the questions that I think may be going on right now, I'm going to repeat what I just said. If you are out of network with what would traditionally be primary and you are in network with the secondary, then in network always trump out of network, okay? Again, patient has two plans, you happen to be out of network with one of those plans, then the plan you are in network with is primary, okay? So anticipating some of those questions. Is this a law? This is not a law. This is a provision that gives uniformity to insurance plans. So think about that for a second. If the insurance plan has a process that they are they are held to a standard about, so if they they must process the claims in the order for which the provisions have given them, think about how we need to submit those claims because if we ignore this rule, it doesn't mean that we can trigger an audit because we didn't follow this rule. It just means that down the road, when the insurance plans hire a third party to determine whether or not their claims were were paid properly, this is the number one go-to in terms of sniffing for money they can ask for back. So if they incorrectly paid the claim because they found that they paid a claim as primary that should have been paid as secondary, trust me, my friends, they are going to ask for that money back. Audits are not typically triggered because of the coordination of benefits. However, if you happen to find yourself in an audit or they they happen to find out that they mispaid in um, they mispaid claims out of primary and secondary order 
then we could find ourselves in a position of having to return money. I know that at the end of the day, the name of the game is to get the claim paid. And so this is what leads us as billers to believe that we billed it correctly because we received payment. But just because you were paid does not mean that we received payment correctly or we submitted the claim correctly. We could have misunderstood um, the primary and secondary positioning and been paid incorrectly. So something I want you to think about, food for thought, if you have any questions about this provision, let me know. I'm happy to go through, I'm happy to go through it with you. Now, Additionally, there's there's a little bit more. It gets a little deeper here. The plan without a coordination of benefits provision will be primary to a plan with a coordination of benefits provision. There's another layer of rules that we need to pay attention to so that we don't run the risk of having to return money in the future. Keep in mind that insurance plans have what's called a right to recovery. And this does not matter whether you are in network or out of network. Their right to recovery applies and their right to audit applies if an office accepts payment in or out of network. Whether you signed up for that red red tape or not, this right to recovery applies to you. Now, if you're fee for service and you are not accepting payment from an insurance plan, then you don't have to worry about these. You don't have to worry about um, insurance companies asking you for the money back. So the next level for the coordination of benefits provisions or rules or red tape as I call it is the plan without a coordination of benefits provision will be primary to a plan with a coordination of benefits provision. I know that a lot of you are scratching your head and you're thinking, well, how do I apply this? I've never done this before. I've never heard of this before. Erica, where are you getting this ins- this information? I will put a link to the regulations and the provisions in the show notes so that you can read through this 50-page book and understand it so that in the future, you can perhaps incorporate all of this into understanding what is primary and secondary. I know it's ridiculous, but it is what it is. I wanted to go back really quick. I wanted to go back to the right to recovery. I did not mention that insurance plans do not have a statute of limitations when it comes to how long or the statute of limitations when it comes to how far back they can go. They can go back as far as six, seven years and do an audit to determine if they paid their claims correctly. And their go-to is going to double check whether or not they paid primary or secondary position correctly. Again, if you guys have any questions with regards to coordination of benefits, please do let me know. Now, the next clause that I find is very commonly misunderstood and I would like to provide some clarification around is non-duplication of benefits. Non-duplication of benefits is one of the provisions under the coordination of benefits regulations. So non-duplication is a form of coordination of benefits, and but they function completely different. So coordination of benefits 
simply means that regardless of the benefit from the primary insurance plan, the secondary will pay up to the primary plan's benefit. So basically, when the patient has two insurance plans and they are going to coordinate benefits, then, you know, secondary is going to pay up to primary plan's benefit. Non-duplication of benefits means that if the primary insurance plan pays 80%, I'm just going to use this as an example, and the secondary plan also pays 80% for the same procedure, then the secondary plan is not going to make any additional payment. And non-duplication of benefits only applies to the secondary plan. So there's not a lot to understand about non-duplication of benefits other than if the benefit is equal or greater from the secondary plan and the secondary plan has a non-duplication of benefits clause built into it, then we cannot anticipate payment from the secondary plan. I know that this is a billing podcast, but I want to make sure that that our treatment coordinators are understanding this clause very well because what I have seen as a biller is my treatment coordinators have presented treatment as first and secondary. Secondary is going to participate in payment when there was a non-duplication of benefit clause built into the secondary. And so we presented treatment as if the both plans were going to pay when in fact secondary was never going to pay. So one of the things that I recommend is make sure that you're asking on your breakdown of benefits if you are dealing with dual insurance, make sure that you're asking the secondary plan if there is a non-duplication of benefits clause in that plan so that when we are coordinating treatment with the patient or um, setting up financial agreements, arrangements that we understand when not to present that benefit if there's a non-due clause in the plan. I know you guys are going to have questions because I've done this live so many times and I just don't have the opportunity to answer your questions right now. But feel free to email me at billingcoach at hiddendentalprofit.com. Again, it's billingcoach at hiddendentalprofit.com. Send me those emails. Send me your questions. I'm here for you. All right, so let's move on to the birthday rule. We understand that the birthday rule applies to children, and it it applies in two ways. So the first way is when the parents are married or together, and the first birthday in the year is going to be primary for the child. And the second birthday in the year, so it's not going to go by the year, it's going to go by the month in the year. If my husband and I have a child and my husband's birthday is in January and I am in June, my husband's will be primary and I will be secondary. That's because we are together. We're all living under one household. Now, let's just say that the child, it, uh, the child's parents are divorced or not together and the child resi- resides with me then custodial parent trumps the traditional birthday rule. So then this would mean that because I have custody of the child, my insurance becomes primary and my 
X becomes secondary. So custodial parent will trump the traditional birthday rule. And so if you have any questions about the birthday rule, you can also go to the Center for Policy Research where it has all of those, the birthday rule rules and regulations, but really those are the only two things that you need to understand. It's not complicated. It's not like the coordination of benefits regulations that has 50 pages to read through. This is very simple. All right, so I want to talk about two more things before we close out. And this is kind of big because I need us to help our patients to understand that when they ask us for a pre-authorization, they're not necessarily receiving a pre-authorization. And I see a lot of my clients also misunderstand this. So let's define what a pre-authorization is versus what we actually receive in dentistry. So a pre-authorization, when we submit for a pre-authorization, we're asking for medical necessity to be taken into consideration up front. We're asking the insurance company to take into consideration the x-rays that we are submitting with the claim and all of the supporting documentation that we submit so that medical necessity can be established for this procedure or treatment plan. Unfortunately for us in dentistry, and I want you to pay attention to this um, when you are submitting for pre-authorization and what you are actually receiving. A lot of times we are receiving a predetermination or a pre-certification. A predetermination is simply an administrative approval. And so what do I mean by an administrative approval? A predetermination or pre-certification means that the insurance company simply looked at the patient's plan benefit document. This is something that we're going to talk about at another episode, but the plan benefit document in short is going to be the document that outlines what is what the employer agreed to cover in that group and what it does not want to cover. So let's just say that we are submitting a treatment plan for implants and an overdenture, and we get back, we submit authorization, and then we get back a predetermination. This is an administrative approval only, and it's more commonly referred to as a pre-treatment estimate. Okay, we want to be careful when we call our patients and say, hey, Mrs. Jones, we have your pre-authorization. Your insurance company went ahead and authorized your treatment. When you're looking at what you thought you have, which is a pre-auth, and it actually says pre-treatment estimate or pre-determination, you're looking at a piece of paper that says, yeah, we didn't take a look at any of your supporting documentation, x-rays, none of that. We just looked at a document that said, in the event this procedure or treatment plan happens to have or prove medical necessity upon claim submission, yeah, we'll go ahead and pay it. But at this point, here's what we will pay in the event you can prove dental or medical necessity uh, when you submit the claim. Be very, very careful when you are talking to the patient about pre-authorization because a lot of times they get this term from their medical insurance because medical insurance 
you submit for a pre-authorization and they give you a pre-authorization. But also with medical, sometimes they don't even allow you to ask for a pre-authorization for certain procedures. So it's a very different world in medical. It does not always translate over the same way into dentistry. And so those are the things that you want to be careful with, the common misconceptions both with the patient and with us in the office. The American Dental Association says that their grievance hotline, and this is a grievance hotline for patients, their number one complaint is lack of understanding of the patient's dental benefits. So I am urging you to understand or explain to the patient how their insurance actually works. We don't want to let the patient believe that, you know, we're submitting for pre-auth and then when we call them back and say, we've got your pre-authorization, they think they're going to, that this is a guarantee of payment from their insurance plan. And many of us know all too well that sometimes even though we have what we think is a pre-auth, the insurance company will deny payment. You know, when that happens, uh, we can always ask for an alternative treatment in the event that our treatment uh, plan or the claim was denied. You always want to, before we start the appeal process, this is a whole other topic, but before we start the appeal process, we want to ask first if there's an alternative payment available instead of completely having that claim denied. Anywho, That is going to conclude this episode. I hope that I have provided clarification around some of the things I have found that my clients commonly misunderstand. If you have any questions, I am available. Billing coach at hiddendentalprofit.com. My email link will be in the show notes and I look forward to having you all listen in on the next episode. Thank you so much, my friends. Take care. You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, but when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So we're going to use humor. But we don't want to insult your intelligence, so nothing too goofy. And we need to avoid any polarizing topics. Oh, and it has to be about how you can save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. You know what? Maybe humor is a bad idea. Yeah, it's never going to work. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Okay, my friends, that's going to wrap up today's episode on the Dental Billing Podcast. I can't wait until the next episode, and I hope that you join me. Until then, take care.